This morning we're in week number three of a four-part series that talks about small things but a big difference. And we're looking in the book of Philippians. This is a letter written by Paul, um, and he's writing to the believers at this colony of Rome called Philippi. As we began this, I, I kind of started out by taking a look at my life, and, and I look at my schedule, I look at all the things that I'm involved in, and as I look at those, I mean, my schedule kind of gets packed and it gets tight, my life gets full because I need to include my, my work, I need to include, and that includes all my thoughts about work, my conversations about work, and then as well, my, my family time and my free time. Free time's important to us, isn't it? And so it includes all of that, and it also includes my sleep time. That's important to me, or I'm a grouchy bear. And I'm a pretty big bear. I mean... So it's important. Then I say, let's look at all of that. And then I think, oh yeah, don't forget my relationship with Christ. But isn't that the way it so often works for many of us? We have our lives and then we tag on at the end our relationship with Christ. It's not just me that has that tendency. Usually all of us have that tendency at some place, some season of our life to just kind of tag that on. And then that makes us feel really guilty, doesn't it? Because we know that's not the way it's supposed to be. We know that it should be so much more important. And we would say, yes, I do believe that it's more important. But we use this phrase, and the phrase went like this, to believe and not to do is to not really believe, right? To, to say that we believe something but it have no impact on our life really at all means we really don't believe that. That's just the reality. And Jesus puts it this way. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 verse 46, he says, now why? So why? Why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? Interesting, right? Why do we call him Lord and not do the things that he says? And he also said this, listen to Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 and following. He says, if you love your father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Oh, that stings. If you love your son or daughter more than me, parents, this stings, doesn't it? If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life up for me, you will find it. Man, that stings. That is powerful. You know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And everywhere in the New Testament where you find Paul writing, you do not find salvation that does not include a transformed life. You don't find Paul talking about salvation, someone's salvation, their eternity with God in heaven through Jesus. You don't find them find Paul talking about that where it does not also include a transformed life. It's just assumed, it's given. According to Paul, following Jesus means daily being transformed by Jesus. Not a label that we put on our lives. It's something that changes our lives moment by moment, day by day, 
It is a way of life. And in fact, because of that, this first week we, that we talked about this series, we said, let's start with the end in mind. Let's talk about that big difference, what it could look like in your life and my life. And we use the example of Paul, where Paul said to me, he said, for me living, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. And we said, listen, let's think of our lives from the perspective of eternity. If you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, that means you have this eternity one day with Jesus forever and ever and ever. We all do if you're a follower of Jesus. And we said, let's live that relationship today. Let's live that relationship, the, the, the future with Christ. Let's live that in the present right now. We said, that's the end result. That's the big difference. And then we said, there are some things we can do now, some small things that will make that big difference, allowing us to live that future relationship with Christ right now, today. And last week we said this, I'm choosing the attitude of Christ first, which makes me last. And we said, I'm choosing the attitude of Christ first, which makes me last, which means we are here to serve the people around us, to love the people around us. And we place that above ourselves. I'm choosing, I'm choosing the attitude of Christ first which makes me last. So this morning, let's see if we can identify in this letter another step that we might be able to take that is going to move us towards this big difference. What's today's small step that could make a big difference? Today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to just kind of peruse uh, much of this chapter Starting with verse 1, Paul says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. He said, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever happens, rejoice. He's talking about an attitude here. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. What Paul is telling us is something that is designed to keep us safe in our faith. So that we don't lose hope, we don't lose faith, we don't, and instead the contrary, so that we will grow in our faith. That's what Paul is doing here. Now Paul is getting ready to give us a resume, his personal resume of self-assurance, his personal resume of self-righteousness, his personal resume of, of Paul, the Pharisee, the law follower. He was so sold out to this way of life of following not Jesus, but following the law that he actually persecuted anyone who was following Jesus. That's how sold out he was to this law. Now, he will tell us here that he followed the law without fault. He goes through this list. I did this, and I did this, and I did this. I did it. Then he said, I did it without fault. That's what happens in, in the, the verses between where we're getting ready to jump in. He said, I had an amazing resume. I followed the law. I was a God follower who followed the law to the T. Perfectly. Every... every Every bit, we would say, I, I, I 
dotted the I's and I crossed the T's. They had another phrase for that, but that's basically what he's saying. I followed it to the letter. There were other people who followed it equally, but nobody followed it better, he said. I, I, I followed the law. So he gives us this resume of how well he followed the law. And then he says in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable. He said, I, I, it was so valuable that I killed people over this. I, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He said, I, I made the law supreme. I, I made the law more important than any relationship around me. I, I made it more important than my relationship with God. Really, that's what the Pharisees did. Because they had a level of self-righteousness. Not a righteousness given to them by God. It was a self-righteousness based upon how well they kept the law. He said, it was valuable to me. I considered it valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse 8, yes, everything, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's not just talking about everything is worthless because of Christ. He's saying everything else I consider worthless because of the value of knowing Christ. And he's not talking about information. He's not saying that everything is worthless because I have acquired information about Jesus, and it is so important. No. He's saying everything is worthless because of the value of actually, personally, one-on-one -on -one knowing Jesus. And not just Jesus, but he says, Jesus Christ, my Lord, my God, my King, my Savior. He's saying, I count everything else that I have been involved in, keeping the law to the T, following the law day and night, obeying the law as much as any human could obey the law. He says, I consider that worthless in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing, not knowing about, but knowing him personally, moment by moment, having a relationship with Jesus. He says, that passes, surpasses everything else that I've been involved in, so much so that it makes everything else a big fat zero. Because I have a relationship of knowing Christ. Not a head knowledge. Not information about. Paul is pulling from the Old Testament a relationship like a child knows his father. Like a child knows his mother. 
like a parent knows a child. It's like a husband knows a wife. It is a knowledge, personal experience, a relationship, walking together day by day. It's such, such a knowledge that makes Christ trustworthy. He says, I, I know Jesus personally. Not just Jesus. Not just anybody, but Jesus, my King. And the love that He has for you and me is that love that He expressed on the cross when He died for us. And in that moment, He shot into your life and into my life as we realize that. As Paul realized that as he was on the Damascus Road, if you know the story of Paul, His life was changed forever, instantly, as Jesus shot into his life and transformed, began transforming him right there. That's the very same thing he does for you and for me. There is something so unfortunate, so very unfortunate about someone who just has a head information knowledge about Christianity that they do not personally, relationally know Jesus. Paul goes on. He says, For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. And he's referring, For his sake I have discarded everything else. He's referring to his dependence upon the law. He says, I've discarded it and and I'm counting it all as garbage. And and quite literally, what that passage says in the Greek is it is is foul-smelling street garbage. Fit only for dogs. He says, that's what I've done. I've discarded everything else that I have relied on, everything else I have trusted in, everything else I was sold out to. He says, I count that as garbage so that, he said, I could gain Christ. That's why. Self-confidence self-confidence in your ability to create some level of good or some level of righteousness, self-confidence in your ability to be good enough or earn God's love is the exact opposite of grace. He says in verse 9, so that I could gain Christ, and in verse 9, and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. He says, I'm done with that. I'm done with trying to live the life that God would look at and say, you have done enough good. He said, I'm done with my self-righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. In other words, he's saying, I tried to be good enough. I followed the law as good as any man alive is following the law, and it still was not good 
enough. He said, I, I, I've stopped. My righteousness does not come from the good things that I do. My right standing with God does not come from my ability to be a good person. He says, my right standing with God comes only through my faith in Jesus. And that's it. I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. My confidence that God is who he says that he is. My confidence that Jesus died on the cross for me. My confidence that three days later he rose again. My confidence in God and God alone to do what I could not do for myself, Paul says, that's how God works. The law was there just to prove to us that we couldn't fulfill it. Only sadly, he said, like, there were some of us who thought we could. The law was never intended to save them. It was only intended to show the great divide. That they could never fulfill God's requirements. He says, for God's way of making us right with himself was not the law, nor did it ever intend to be. He says, that was not God's way to make us right with him. He said, it depends upon faith. Some kind of trust in God that radically changes your life. Paul is drawing a contrast here. Because there was a group called the Judaizers who taught that yes, you, could, you need to follow Jesus. And yes, he died on the cross for you and three days later he rose again. Yes, they were saying, yes, you need to trust in Jesus. But they said, you also, in order to be right with God, you also need to follow the law. That's what the Judaizers were saying. And Paul was saying, no, that's not true. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. The law has nothing to do with us being right with God. It's through faith in Christ alone. Paul was talking about a relationship. That's what made us right. That's what makes us right. And he said it's not the law. But you know, there are some things, there are some things that we can do in this life to help us have a deeper relationship with Jesus. Paul, all of this chapter, he's talking about knowing Jesus. And knowing the law is not the same thing as knowing Jesus. He says, you need to know Jesus. And there are some things we can do to know him more. To relate to him as a child relates to their father. To, to relate to him as a wife and a husband relate together. There are some things that we can do to deepen that relationship. They're not obligations. They're not the law. They're not a set of rules. 
just some things. Relational things. Listen to what Paul says in verse 10. He says, I want, here we go again, I want to know Christ. I don't want to just know him and relate to him. He says, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul is saying, I want to know him so well, so closely that I feel his pain. Paul says, I I want to know him. I I want to experience a relationship with him, not something that's here. I want to experience, to live it. I I want to be hand in hand with Christ. I I want to know him so well that I understand more the suffering that he went through. Obviously, Paul's not promising here that you're going to have a life that's pain-free, that's suffering-free. That's not what he's promising. In fact, he's saying to know Jesus means there's probably going to be some extra hurt involved. Could be some extra pain. He's not saying, Jesus, please remove this hurt from my life. Remove this pain from my life. Nope. He's saying, Jesus, transform me, change me to the point. Give me the type of relationship with you where I know and understand your pain better. Verse 11. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Let me summarize to you what Paul is teaching He's saying, I want you, my friends, to know Christ right now, this moment, in the present. And when you know him, it's as if you're sharing in his death that he suffered for you. And for you to experience that, it means that you, in your Christ-following life, you will be serving people around you the way Christ did. We talked about that last week. You'll be loving people around you the way Christ did. We talked about that last week. In this life, you'll be enduring pain. You'll be rising through the pain. But everything you do, whether serving and loving or whether suffering with hurt and pain, he said it is all happening in the shadow of the cross. Every single thing that we do is in the shadow of the cross, what Jesus did for us. It's under the influence of Jesus and the cross. It's because of Jesus and the cross. Everything we do is in reference to Jesus And the cross, his death, his resurrection. He says everything, to know him, everything you do in living your life happens in the shadow of the cross, if you're a follower. Verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say. Now, he goes back to his resume. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. At one time in his life, he would have said, I've achieved righteousness by the way that I live. And then he found Jesus and realized, whoa, I haven't. And now he says, you know what? I I don't want to imply 
that I'm doing this perfectly. I don't want to imply that I have it all together. I don't want to imply that I have it all figured out, that I have that I'm doing everything right in the right way. He says, I, I have not achieved these things. These things mean fully knowing Jesus. I, I haven't made it yet. He says, I don't want you to think that I have already reached perfection. I mean, as great as Paul was, if there's anyone in the New Testament outside of Jesus that I say, I, I, that's how I want to pattern my life, I would say Paul. Many of us would. And Paul is saying, hey, wait a minute, guys, wait, wait a minute. I, you need to make sure that you understand I still have not arrived. I've got a long way to go. Paul is saying, I am still following Jesus. I'm still following. Paul is saying, I'm still changing. I'm still knowing. I'm still experiencing personally Jesus more and more and more every day. Then he says this key phrase. I don't want you to think that I've already arrived. But, he says, I press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He says, I keep moving forward in that relationship. I keep knowing Christ more and more. I keep that prize, the prize fully knowing Christ. Jesus, the way Jesus wants to be known by us. He says, that's where I'm moving toward. I haven't arrived, but I'm on the journey, he says. Everything else compared to this, ah, I just, I consider it a loss. It's just like, it's a zero to me. It's all garbage. I'm just going to forget all of that. And I'm going to press on. To possess some type of relationship with Jesus closer to him than I have ever been. That's where I'm moving. Verse 13. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. He said, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past competitions that he's had. Forgetting the other competitors in the race. He said, forgetting the past where I used to rely upon my self-righteousness and doing good things. He says, forgetting that past. He says, I look forward. I forget the fact that I tried to fulfill the Torah and I put all my faith in what I could do in fulfilling the Torah. He said, I put that behind me. And looking forward, Paul says, to what lies ahead. I press on, verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive a heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He said, I haven't arrived. Every single day, he says, I'm pressing on. I'm doing the things I need to do, Paul is saying, to know Christ more every day. More every day. And the prize? 
It's that day when we will fully know him. That's the prize, he said. Now for you and me, how do we know if that's complete? How do we know when that is complete, that we will fully know Christ? There's only two ways we can know that. The first way is that will happen the day Jesus comes back for his church. If we're here for that, when that happens, if our heart is still beating when that happens and he comes back for those who are living on this earth right now, if you're confused about any of that, we're going to talk about that in December. But we will fully know him at that point, at that moment. The second way is if before that time comes, if your heart on this earth, your heartbeat, your physical heartbeat stops, if you're a follower of Jesus, then Paul says to be absent from this body, this physical body is to be present with the Lord. And in that moment, you will fully know him. The fact that you are in this room with me today means you do not yet fully know him. Neither do I. We're in that process. As Paul said, of knowing him more and more and more. So, Paul says, okay guys, I'm following Jesus and while I have not yet arrived and I have not yet achieved fully knowing him, I'm following him. I'm safely in his hand following him. And then here's what he's telling us. He's going to tell us, and you can now follow me as well. I'm not Jesus. He said, You're, we, are follow, we are moving in this relationship with Jesus but if you will do some of the things that I am doing, you will know him more and more and more. He's saying, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted by these things I used to put my faith in. Don't get distracted by the law, he says. Don't get distracted by the good things that you can do. Don't get distracted. He says, put that behind you. Let's get to know him. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. In verse 15, I find this funny. I don't know if I have this on the screen for you, but he says, let all those who are spiritually mature agree on these things. He's like saying, you know what? If you're, if you are growing in Jesus, what I'm saying you agree with, if you haven't quite arrived yet in maturity with your relationship with Jesus, if you don't quite really know him, if you're, if you have either delayed that relationship and maybe you know him, but you have not been growing, he said, you won't agree with this. Or he said, if, you have just, if you're just new to your relationship with Jesus, you may not quite agree with this yet. But listen, he said, I'm telling you the truth. If you're mature, you understand this is the process. You have not arrived, and it's not about you. It's all about you growing and knowing Jesus, your Savior. Verse 16. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. He's assuming... Because anyone who is following Jesus, who is a Christian, a Christ follower, who is, as the New Testament would refer to as saved, transformation is happening. There's no such thing as someone who just says, yeah, I believe that Jesus is Lord, he died on the cross for me, and then they go back to their life as normal. It just doesn't happen in the New Testament. 
He's assuming, okay, listen, we have to hold on to the progress that has already been made. Verse 17, dear brothers and sisters, now pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. In other words, he says, you can pattern your life after mine, not because I've arrived, not because I've made it. You can pattern your life after some of the things that I'm doing, some of the habits that I have in knowing Jesus and what I'm doing to know Jesus. And he said, there are people around me who have patterned their lives. They're doing it as well. You can follow them as well if they're doing these habits, patterning their lives and knowing Jesus. He said, there's some things that you can do. This idea of imitating your teacher is not a new concept that Paul is introducing. This is something that comes from his Jewish heritage. Because any disciple, follower of any rabbi, would pattern their lives after that rabbi. And in patterning their lives after them, they were beginning to understand and see the world as the rabbi would see the world. And then they would also begin putting into practice things that the rabbi was doing. And Paul is saying you can pattern your lives like a disciple follows a rabbi. You can imitate some of these things that I'm doing because they are things that will help you know Jesus more. He's saying, walk with Jesus and keep walking with Jesus every single day. And you know what our walking, when we walk with Jesus every day, and it, here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean us just walking along and making our way to church on Sundays. That's not walking with Jesus. That's, that's going to church on Sundays. He's saying, this is something you do as you live your life every day. You're walking with Jesus. The things that you do to know Him more. And when you walk with Jesus long enough, doing these things to help you know Him more, those, that style of walking becomes a habit. And those things that you do to know Jesus more personally, those become good habits. And he's saying, if you will keep these habits in your life and run this race that God has placed you in, then you will have a big, huge, giant transformation in your life. And it happens a little bit at a time every day. You will have it. And that ultimate goal of knowing him completely, you'll be moving in that direction. Based upon these passages this morning, here's how we have summarized this into one phrase. Our bottom line this morning, this is what Paul is teaching in an understandable phrase for us to remember. Make your actions Follow through to habit. The actions you have in your life, make those things, the things you're doing to know Christ personally, make those uh, happen day after day after day so that they follow through all the way to a habit in your life. Make your actions follow through to habit 
And the goal? You'll grab it. That goal of knowing Jesus. If you place some habits in your life that are going to help you know Jesus more, then the goal of knowing him more, you're going to grab it. Here's our bottom line. Make your actions follow through to habit. And the goal, you will grab it. Now we've got a giant set of next steps today. Nothing for you to mark on the back of your connection card in the form of next steps unless there's something specific that you need to do business with God about. Those are listed on there and you can mark those. But you don't need to circle any letters today. Let me give you some help and maybe some things that you can do. Some actions that you can put in your life that will help you begin to know Jesus more and more a little bit every single day. And please understand, we're not asking you this morning to, to develop all of these habits all at once this week. Because if you tried that, you would fail. Any of us would. We're asking you to take and select one of these and begin placing that into your life and let it become a habit. You know, it takes around 30 days for something to become a habit. You can break it in a matter of a few days, but it takes about 30 days to make it a habit. And we're just saying, will you select one of these things and just begin placing that habit, that, that, that relational tool in your life so that you can get to know Jesus better. And we're going to give you a little list. We're not saying do this one over this one or this one. Just pick one. And then over the course of this year, will you add another one? But just start with one. Here are some of those habits. We would like to teach you how to do what we call prayer journaling where you just simply write down just between you and God. You don't share this with your family. It's just you journaling, writing down your prayers with God. It's a great habit. If you're like me, so often you fall asleep at night and you've said, oh, I didn't, I didn't pray. And so you start praying and then the next morning you wake up and you realize, oh my word, I fell asleep on God again. When you write down your prayers, it helps you focus on that relationship, that conversation that you're having with God. So we're talking about journaling for relating to God, not just relaying information and prayer requests to God. We want to teach you how to journal your prayers. That's one habit you could begin that's one habit you could start in helping you know God more. Here's another one. Bible study. Personal Bible study. But not for information. Personal Bible study for transformation. Helps you know Him more. Not so that you can know more about the Bible. That's not the goal. The goal is for you to know more about Him to relate to Him. And His Word is there to speak to you. And we want to help you understand how you can develop a personal habit of personal Bible study to help you get to know God, your Creator, Jesus, your Savior. 
That's a personal habit that you can develop to know him more and more and more. Here's another one. Memorizing scripture. It's for immediate power. Not to impress people to be man of the hour. We memorize scripture not so that we can impress people with what we have learned and memorized. We memorize scripture so that in the moment when the heat is turned on in your life, you have instant access to God's word and his power in and through your life. Now that's relating to God, your Savior. Placing his word in your heart. His words in your heart. And when his words go in your heart, guess what? His words can become your words. Memorizing scripture. Now this sounds like an odd one, but I'm going to include it because it's true. A habit that you can develop is a habit of giving. You say, that is a strange way to relate to God. Let me tell you why this is such an important habit. Because especially in our day, in our age, we have a tendency to place more faith in our finances than we do in our Father. And as we develop the habit of giving, we're just simply saying to God, God, you know what? This is all yours. Everything I have, God, you have given me. And you have asked me to manage all of this for you. So God, I want to know you so well that I will manage your things the way you want them managed. Now that is relating to God. It's a habit. Here's another one. I'm going to end with this one this morning. The habit of serving. Serving people around you. You are never more like Jesus than when you're serving other people. Allowing his love to overflow through you into the lives of other people. Now, now you understand why I say if you try to do all of these this week, you're going to quit and you're going to give up. And I would understand because, listen, we can't. Paul said, I am still in the process day by day of knowing God. I have not arrived. We're just asking you to take one of these things and begin placing it in your life starting this week and then over the next 30 days. Next month, you can pick another thing to add to it. Not to replace it, to add to it. And before you know it, over the course of a couple of years, you can have all of these elements as part of your life. And that is a journey of knowing your Creator, knowing your Savior. We've put some tools together to help you do just that. Just start with one. As you leave today, there is a handout that is laying on the next step table right there at the box office. And it's laying flat. I've got them stacked out there. And it's called Daily Habits. 
They're just laying flat on the table. They're not in the stand. They're just laying flat. The daily habits. And you can pick any one of these, and this will help you begin that process of making that one thing a habit. And this sheet will help you do it if you pick it up. I've got some other things that can help you. Um, We've got a thing called the power pack. Now, there's a couple of ways to use the power pack. We've got these at the guest connections table over with the other resources. Um, They're just like $5 for the notebook, and it will get you started. You do need, if you pick this up, you need to have access to a printer at your house because this has a CD-ROM in it that has reproducible printer, printer things that you put into this notebook right here. Okay, so you need that, but this will help you develop those habits. Now, maybe you say, well, I don't need that because I can put a notebook together myself. Then that's great. We have something for you. You'll need to write this down on the internet. I have a free resource. It is the power pack. It's everything that is on this CD-ROM and it's for free on the internet. The very same format. And it's, uh, let's see, it's the powerpackonline.com. I can't remember if you have to put the in front of it. I need someone to experiment for me real quick. Um, it's either powerpackonline.com or thepowerpackonline.com. If you will check your phones and someone check their phone and let me know in just a moment thepowerpackonline.com or powerpackonline.com. If anything comes up besides something that looks like the power pack, don't punch on it because I don't know where you'll go. I want to help you develop good habits. Um, now you might say, Harley, I, I don't have, I don't do the computer I don't have internet, then I have a few of these that are available as well. And these are just simply, this is simply a, a journal that has the same printable resources um, that are already printed out and bound in this little book. Um, I don't have many of these left, but there are some at Guest Connections. And uh, you will need to pick up this flyer that is at the next step table. It's this little trifold thing because this explains how to use this. Okay? So, we have something for everybody. Something to help you develop. And we're we're saying, don't worry about trying to develop all of these habits. Will you develop one? And then next month, add another. Pick one of these up. It'll help you do it. I want to pray for you because my I, I, here's, here's the tendency of what happens. I'm going to ask the band to make their way to the front. We're going to worship God with two songs. But before we do, here's the tendency. The tendency is to say, yeah, Harley, you're right. I, I do need to develop that habit, one of those habits. I need them all, but I need to start with one. You're right, Harley, I do. 
the tendency is to agree in this room that that's what I need to do. And then the tendency is to leave here and not do anything. And I want you to know, if that's the case, you have just wasted an hour of your life. Because as you leave this room today, you are walking right back into the problems, every single one of them that you pushed aside as you walked into this room. They are waiting for you as you leave, and you will pick them back up again. It's just the way life works. You will pick them back up again if you don't begin taking a next step every time you meet with Jesus. If you will take a next step with Jesus, then one by one, slowly, you will begin walking away from those very things that you need to let go of, those things that are hurting you right now in your life. But it requires taking steps with Jesus. So my hope for you is that while we have not had an emotional experience here today, my hope is that we have encouraged you to take a step of knowing Him. And He will transform your life moment by moment, just a little bit at a time, day by day. And then you will turn around and look at your life. You'll think, man, I just haven't, I haven't seen much change or transformation. And then you'll look back and you will see over the course of time an enormous, giant change in your life because of what you did, tiny little bits at a time, moment by moment, day by day of knowing him more. Let me pray for you, and then let's address our Heavenly Father in song. God, many of us this morning would agree that, yes, we need to develop these things in our lives. And my prayer is that we will not leave here just saying, I agree, we need to do that, and then not doing anything. God, help us to take a step of knowing you better day by day, moment by moment. We offer these songs to you. Things that our heart wants to say, we offer them in song. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.